They were actions that were simple, but they were not easy. It was a young lady, married. She said she needed to talk. She came to my office, and we chit-chatted, and eventually she poured out what it was that she had come to share. That many years ago, uh, she had had an abortion. And you could tell in the way that she talked about it that the wound was still there. What she did there in a simple act of confessing her sin was simple, but you understand why it would not be easy. It was a young man who pulled me aside out in the foyer and he said, I need to talk to you. And he began with all seriousness to share a story. And eventually he got to what was weighing on his heart so much was that he was addicted to drugs. And he was trying to be set free from that. What he did in the foyer, you see, was, was so simple on one level, but not easy on another. It was a young man who came tearfully at the end of the camp Convicted, heart broken. A young man who didn't cry was crying. Convicted over his continual, repeated struggling and addiction to pornography. And I sat and I listened and we prayed. And what that young man, what he did, was confess his sin. And you need to understand that that was simple, but not easy. Was in the kitchen, here in the foyer, or in the the fellowship hall. I was reconnecting with a gentleman I knew in the youth group. He is now married had his own children. We were making chit-chat over coffee. Somehow that pleasant surface-level conversation just between the two of us, right there in the kitchen. And I said, how, how is life these days? And, and it was a simple question. But you could tell by the way he paused. And he looked down, that it wasn't an easy question. And in a moment, he took a simple question, and he had a decision to make about whether he would confess his sin, what he was really going through, 
or as whether he would tell me later on, whether he would just lie his way through it. You see, what we're talking about today is so simple on the surface. But when you go to do it, you realize that it's not easy. And and this one today is especially made for our topic of one another. I'm convinced this is where the church takes those who are hurting in sin and those who are struggling in sin and those who are who are carrying the guilt and the weight of past sin where the hurting can come to heal. So it's simple. But it's not easy. Today we're talking about confessing to one another. And I'll just be quite honest, this, this is a, as I go through the one another verses, this is one of those that I look at and say, wow, it's definitely in Scripture. But if I'm really honest, more often than not, it's ignored more than it is applied. You see... There are some groups that have a specific mechanism and means for confession. And they even have their own little place that you can go and, and you, you go in and you're, you're seated next to someone and, and you confess your sins to them. And we go, ah, that's not right. That's nowhere in Scripture. That's not what those verses tend to. And I agree. But I follow up with this question, so then, how, how do we do it? Oh, well, well that's easy. We, we've got the, we've got, the preacher will offer an invitation, and you can come to the front row, or I guess the back row. And then you can confess, and, and, and so then I ask you, when was the last time you responded Because with five or six hundred people, confession, boy, that would take a long time for the, for the shepherds to process all of that confessing. But, but somehow, somehow it seems like maybe our method for doing this doesn't always meet the need of confession. Maybe it does. When was the last time you hit the, went to the back row? Let me make it more personal. When was the last time that you personally confessed your sin to another? You say, well, you don't, we don't need to always confess it to everybody. We just confess it to God. Okay, I, I do absolutely think we need to confess our sin before the Lord. But we can't get rid of the other scriptures that we're going to talk about. This gets hard. It gets a little bit touchy. Partly because of just the word. I think the word has sort of been hijacked by religion and also by culture. I mean, when I think of the word confession, perhaps you have in mind the scene from this movie that I have in mind. When it comes to confession, here's what I think of. Hey, kid. I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. Did you bring the lights down, guys? 
everything. Everything. Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my Uncle Max with two pants. I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the time. My mom sent me to a, to a summer camp for fat kids. And it was during lunch, I got nuts and I pigged out and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done. I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, this is it, I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, and all the people in the audience, then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Mom, they're going to like this kid, Mom. <laughs> Humorous example, but sometimes I think that's what we think when it comes to confession. And it becomes a pouring out, a gushing of everything I've ever done. Of everything I've ever done in my entire life. And I don't think that's right either. Sadly, confession is often misunderstood because it is misused and in some cases abused by some. We've got branches in the church family that have so misused the idea of confession as part of their process, they became cultish in their behavior and their actions and in how people envision the church. And that's not how it's designed to be either. I, I draw us back to Scripture. Can we find a better way? Well, I, I want to ask you to, let's try to do it. So let's first understand why confession matters. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. Here, David writes these words, and he writes them about our subject at hand. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. If you're in your Bible, or if you don't know where Psalm 32, page 587 will get you there. David writes these words, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. I agree with that. How do we get there? Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 3. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the, as by the heat of summer. I cannot think of a more fitting scripture than on July 17th. We understand what it means to have your strength dried up as in the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. 
All right, so a few things that we learn here about the matter of confession. Number one, confession makes you honest with God and with yourself. Psalm 32.2 says, Blessed is the man against the Lord whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. See, when you're open about what's in here, when you're open about your secret sins, there is something that is set free by that. Because you, you be honest with God and with yourself. Honest with God and that you're not putting on airs, that you're not putting up a wall, that you're not pretending to be something or someone that you are not. There is no deceit in your spirit when you confess your sin. Number two, confession releases you from the stress of hypocrisy. So this is the the stress, you know, so the idea of Integrity comes from the base word integer, meaning one. So a person of integrity is consistent publicly and privately. A person of integrity is consistent at church and outside of church. A person of integrity is consistent Sunday morning just as they are Saturday night. These two things are consistent and congruent. But when you're out of sync, it creates what I'll just call this stress between who you are and who you appear to be. And that puts you under some stress. I'm fully convinced a person cannot live in hypocrisy without it manifesting in a many different ways. It's different for different people. I'm not an expert on it, but I, would, I do think when you're living in hypocrisy, it creates something within your spirit that is going to manifest itself. Confession releases you from that stress. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I can, in, in, in the stories that I shared of people confessing, almost universally, though they all had different sins, their response or the way that their body just reacted after they poured this out to their friend, to their preacher, to their youth minister, was a sense of relief. Sometimes followed by tears, but it was just this releasing of this to the second person. And they could now be honest about who they were, that they had relieved themselves of the stress of hypocrisy. If you're living in hypocrisy, you are under stress. A great release to that is confession to the Lord. Confession to one another, as we'll talk about. Third, confession brings forgiveness and healing. Uh, Let me jump back to the second one, because I wanted to David writes, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He writes, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. We're in the season now where if you're going to mow the lawn, (laughs) you want to do it, you know, before 9 a.m. Or maybe after 8 p.m., right? Because in between is this, this intense heat. David describes... The stress that he feels with hypocrisy 
as something that it's like it's continually on me. When you're, when you're out in the sun, if you get caught in the wrong hours and you're mowing and it's just, it's every step drains you. Every part of it takes something out of you. That's the way he describes a person who's living in sin who refuses to be honest with God and himself. David felt that way for sure. But the good news is we can have forgiveness and healing. The scripture says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my healing. If you're hearing this message this morning, or if you're listening to the podcast later, or if you're watching on Vimeo or YouTube, and you're, you know that there is something in your life that is not right with God, that you have a sin, that you have something there that shouldn't be, the best thing that I can point you, the best act I can point you to is repentance and confession. Because there's something about that that makes you honest, it releases you from that stress, and it brings, this is the most important, forgiveness and healing. You can have forgiveness and healing. And if you've not been through that, you don't know how powerful that is, but there are some people who carry their sin forever and our father just wants his children to lay that down to acknowledge that it's sin to confess that to be freed from it and mostly to be healed from it God loved David. He didn't want David to suffer and to be sapped and to have his strength taken. He he wanted him to be free. He wanted him to find forgiveness. He wanted him to have healing. And he gave him an opportunity through confession. Turn to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Scripture of wisdom. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. The word there, getting into this idea of growing. The word getting into this idea of blessing. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Confession is simple, but it's not easy. It's hard, but it's also a blessing. And if you'll do it, you can find healing, you can find the ability to prosper once again. You find yourself spiritually stunted in your walk with the Lord? I would guess that there's a sin somewhere in there that you haven't poured out to God, that you haven't poured out to one another. So there there are two ways to do this, and we've already talked about both of them. The first is to God. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Starting verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light 
As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, that's good news if you're walking in the light, but what if you do if you're walking in the darkness? Well, here's where he answers, verses 8 and 9. If you're walking in the darkness, pay attention. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. See, John says that when we, when we try to walk on both sides, we try to walk in light and walk in darkness simultaneously, John says, you're a liar. <laughs> The truth is not in you. So what he says is, I want you to let the truth in you. I want you to agree with God. I want you to say, this is what's true. And I know that that's convicting my heart. And I need to confess I've been in the wrong. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. See, God's nature never changes. God's nature never changes. Since we're talking about confession, allow your preacher to confess. Your preacher doesn't practice confession because your preacher has trust issues. High trust issues. And, And I wish it weren't this way, but it is this way. There are just, there's stuff within me. that has to grow if Toby wants to prosper. People's nature will change. You see, in ministry, (laughs) you get close to people and then people grow away or walk away or... and, And that makes you as a minister wall yourself up more and more. You put up a guard to keep from being hurt again. People's nature changes, but God's never does. John says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you are like your preacher and you have trust issues, and so uh, yeah, confession is good, and that's fine, preacher, but we, we, we ain't going to talk about anything today except whatever you're talking about. I'm not talking about nothing. That's okay. But may I gently point out, you're missing out on a, on a blessing. Because people's nature will change, but God's never does. He's still the same faithful, just, forgiving God that He always has been. And by not confessing your sin, there's some part of you that refuses to trust in the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. And in so doing, you miss out on an opportunity for blessing. So, may we learn to 
see our sin as sin, that's one, and two, when we do sin, may we freely confess our sinfulness that we might be forgiven. The second, of course, is by confessing to one another. We used this verse last week, but I want to go back to it. James chapter 5, if you're looking for a page number, 1,294. Now, last week we used it in the subject of prayer. This week we use it in the subject of confession. The two go hand in hand. Did you take me up on your prayer work last week? Did you ask someone to pray for you specifically? Did you pray with someone? Did your small group meet together and pray? Did your class devote yourselves to prayer? Okay, here's another opportunity. James 5, 15 and 16, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Are you seeking healing? As Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? And some people come to Jesus, but they don't want to get well. They're not ready for being all 100% on the level with Jesus. But if you're ready, Jesus offers you an opportunity Not just to grow closer with him, but to grow tighter with one another. We miss an opportunity, church. We miss an opportunity when we we only keep it on the superficial. When we never talk about hard things. When we never let down the veneer. We miss an opportunity to be the close connected body of Christ that we can be. Your small group can be a social club. Your small group can be a group of your friends that you like and you sort of get along with. But your small group could be so much more if you were honest enough with God and with one another. If you ask your brother or your sisters in Christ to pray for you and for a sin that you're struggling with, your class, we have some great classes that do a lot of good things, praying for one another and caring for one another, but your class could be so much more if you were able to be genuine. And people long for that, don't you know? There, there is something within all of us that desires to be genuine. I think Will shared the story about the impact that Brian Middleton had on him in a simple act. Was it Brian? And, and Brian would say, Will, how you doing? 
And Will would do like all of us are trained to do, especially in ministry. I'm doing great. That's in, you know, kind of keep it superficial, putting those, putting those shields up, you know, the friendly shields. But Brian held on to his hand, looked him in the eye, and with that penetrating Brian Middleton stare that could break through any shield, said, how are you really doing? Brian gave him an opportunity there to grow closer in relationship, to be the kind of church that God intends us to be, to grow closer together. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. May we strive to be genuine, and let me add this, may we strive to seek genuineness from one another. May we be real enough to be real enough with one another. Okay, how do we do this? Well, which way is best? First, always, always be authentic with God. I mean, it's sort of, (laughs) the idea that you can hide from God is sort of funny, you know. Just imagine trying to, you know, play hide and seek with God, you know, God, I'm going, to play, I'm going to hide. You tell me where you... Okay, we're going to play hide and seek. God says, you're right there. You're right there. You're right there. He sees where you are. Jesus says time and again in the Sermon on the Mount, the God who sees in secret. Your sin that you committed last night, God saw it. God was right there. There are no surprises to God. What he's waiting for is you to be honest with yourself and with him about what happened, about who you are, about what you've done, so that he can show you his nature. Parents, do you understand this? Do you know when your children have messed up? Oh, yeah. Oftentimes, do we know it before our children know that we know it? Many times. And what we want more than anything is for them to be honest with us so that we can help them in our relationship with them. God's the same way. The second is with one another. And I've I've got some prescriptions for this. If you think you are ready to confess to another Christian sin you've been struggling, the pain that you're carrying, the healing that you need, a couple things I think would be helpful. Number one, it should be someone you know. In other words, I met a few guests here this morning. What would it be like if, if meeting Mr. Jones and I shook his hand and said, nice to meet you, nice to have you here at Northside. You know, I am moving today and I could really use your help helping me move this piano. That would be very awkward, wouldn't it? Of course. Okay. Don't level jump. Don't try to confess something (laughs) that's super heavy to someone you just met. That's kind of awkward. Don't just ask anyone to confess to you that we're not seeking out confession. Number two, it needs to be someone you trust. By that I mean someone spiritually more mature. And this is where our tradition of the invitation 
is good because we have our shepherds, our seven shepherds that know you, love you, pray over you, and want you to grow in Christ. And so if you can't think of anyone that you know and trust, seek out one of our shepherds. And one of them, I'm convinced, and likely all of them, would be willing to hear your confession, to pray for you, to check in on you in a healthy, spiritual way. This, this takes love, it takes courage, it takes trust, and it takes maturity. But it will get the church to a more authentic place relationally. You heard Will, I get another half an hour. There is, there is not, in my view, a programmatic way to do this. Okay? This is relational. It has to come from sincere and authentic hearts. It has to come from a place where we desire that and where we desire that together. Now, the good news is we have structure... <laughs> within Northside, designed to help you do that. So every week, Thursday nights, we have a program called Celebrate Recovery. You say, well, I thought that was just for people with serious problems. I don't want people thinking I have serious problems. Listen, it is for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So raise your hand if you have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you have a, a real problem with lying. Okay. The point is, it's designed for everyone. We have small groups that are designed to foster connection and relationship this way. We have classes that are designed to do the same thing. And right now, we're going to give you an opportunity to go to our shepherds. So we're going to sing a song, as we always do, and this is the point where you put your hand out of way and your Bible away, and you get stuff ready because the sermon's coming to an end, and you can feel that. But, but please don't miss this opportunity that if you're in the pew, and if you're watching online, and you're struggling with something heavy, and you've been carrying it, all what I've talked about this morning is the remedy for that. Confession to God, confession to one another, that we may find healing. So, lots of opportunities to do that. Ultimately, it will take your courage and conviction to take the opportunity. The opportunity has always been there. The, the choice is up to you. Whether you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, or you're going to grow in your relationship with one another, may we take every opportunity. Well, as I told you from the beginning, it's simple, but it's not easy. May we lean in to the heart. May we not, may we not avoid the things which are hard, but, but actually pursue them because they will make us better. This morning, if you have a need to put on Christ in baptism, or if you have a sin that you need to confess... If there is something on your heart, if it's sapping your strength, if it's crushing your spirit, if it makes you so you don't even want to be at church, you have an opportunity right now. 
and God's presented you to the remedy, I will encourage you to take it. Whatever your need is, if you have one, please head to the back as we stand and as we sing.